It's easy to get lost. This is The Revenue Maze, and I'm Valerie Cobb. Join me as we navigate the halls, dead ends, and U-turns on our path towards upward growth trajectory. The Revenue Maze is sponsored by Lodestar URY, guidance and execution through fractional revenue leadership, uncovering hidden revenue streams, and empowering small business growth through process-driven sales. Welcome everybody today to The Revenue Maze. I have a super, super exciting guest. I'm excited about this one. So um, she is a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, Ohio Society of Certified Public Accountants or CPA, proven expertise in driving efficiency and productivity, and I know this firsthand, through evaluation of financial management systems and implementation of process improvements. She's a fractional integrator, COO at Entrepreneurial Advisory Institute. Welcome today, Sharon Means. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Valerie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Barring some technical difficulties, yeah, but you know. doing pretty good. And you Hello. know how that goes. <laughs> okay. We always do this on the Revenue Maze. So I always have to come out and ask before we get more into what you do and how you do it. I, I just want to know one thing. What is one thing you can tell our audience that they can do to get out of the revenue maze? Well, thank you for asking. It's such a great question. And well, I mean, as you said, I'm a CPA. And so I, my thought would be that you need to really have a plan. And that plan is a budget. And you have to know where you're going. It has to be a roadmap of what kind of revenue that you are looking for. Um, and from there, um, just a host of other things to keep yourself on track. And so that the company knows where it's going and everybody's rowing all in the same direction. Oh my gosh. I, you're preaching to the choir. So how, what are some ways that they could maybe do that? Cause that is so important. It's very important. Um, you know, you, you get yourself a, a good app and we use QuickBooks um, budgeting tool in, in the app. And you just kind of like decide, you know, as a company, this, either the fractional sales professional or, um, you know, the owner of the company, whoever, um, to decide what would our revenue goals be? What did we do last year? What do we need to do this year? What are the things um, that we're planning on? Um, different leads that we might have, different opportunities. And then from there, um, you know, just kind of crafting a, a good framework of what you want to do in the coming year. And I also work um, with companies that are implementing EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. So from there, you kind of chunk down to like what you want to do. What does that mean for the year? Okay, what does that mean for each quarter? Um, and then how are we going to track our progress on that um, so that we know that we're hitting our goals and where we want to go. And even extrapolating from that, I know you can do a, a one-year budget, but in the OS, we also do um, something called a three-year plan and a 10-year target. Um, and so that can all be built upon, you know, again, the budget for this year and where do we want to go? And I just feel like if you don't know where you're going and you don't have any kind of idea, um, you know, you're just, it's a recipe for disaster. 
You know, I, that is so true. I quote this quite a bit with a lot of people, but I, I love Alice in Wonderland and I probably misquote it all the time, but I love when Alice is asking the Cheshire cat, you know, where do I go? And he's like, well, where do you want to go? And, you know, there's, and, and she's, I don't know. And he goes, well, then it doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's, exactly. that it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it takes a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work on the front end to, to find these things out. Um, but, you know, then, you know, uh, you have an idea and a roadmap of, um, of, of everything kind of just falls into place after that of what you want to do. Don't you just kind of think sometimes too, it, it can be overwhelming for small businesses. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. It is very overwhelming, but I don't think it, I think you don't want to get, um, let the, you know, the, the perfectionism get in the way. So I think a lot of people think that it needs to be a perfect budget or a perfect, um, revenue target. And it doesn't have to be, it just has to be your best guess. Let's just put something down. Let's see how we did last year. Let's, you know, extrapolate that out for this year. And then, you know, you just, you get, you get better at it. It gets easier. It's almost like, you know, when you work out and you build up muscle and, you know, it's like muscle memory and you'll, you'll just, you'll just get better at it as time goes on. Yeah. I, it's just, sometimes it feels a bit like they need that roadmap and they're not sure, you know, especially small business owners, exactly where to start with it. Right. You're like, it gets easier, but when I think about those, and I also work a lot in forecasting and numbers and stuff, I think one of the biggest hurdles that I've heard is just how to start it. You know, it's like, yeah, I need to do it. I need to do it. Yeah. I don't know how to start it. And I don't know what numbers, I don't know what to track. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yes. Well, and that's they, a big part of it. Yes. They get yeah. nervous even in front of you're a CPA. It's like, yes. Ooh, maybe I'm saying the wrong term or the wrong Correct. word. Or that. that's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I really do think it comes down to, you know, seeing what you're comfortable with, what maybe you did last year. I mean, you kind of have to just put some logic behind it and just try to make your best educated guess. And, you know, you start with the revenue and then it flows all the way down the rest of the P&L um, to your different line items. But that's really valuable because then you can plan the rest of it. Um, if you think your revenue goal is going to be a million dollars next year and you're at $500,000 this year, well, then that also means I've got to hire people. Maybe we need to expand our offices. You know, there'll be more uh, expenses in general for benefits and things like that. So that way you're planning for it and you know, okay, well, we are going to need a new, um, you know, person in three to six months, or when we hit this revenue number, we're going to need to maybe outsource, um, our marketing, or we're going to need to get an, an actual accountant uh, in instead of, you know, what we've been cobbling together and, and systems in, in place. And it just, yada, 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 it goes down the line. But like I was saying with, you know, when you're doing an EOS framework, not only do you do that, but then you kind of chunk it down um, into like a measurable in a scorecard so that, you know, you're, you've got a big number and it's maybe on a quarterly basis, but then what are we tracking? So we know we're getting to that number. So that also it's not just a theoretical number, but if we want to get a hundred thousand dollars of businesses, how much, how many people do we need to talk to? Do we need to talk to 10 people? Do we need to talk to 20 people? What's our closing rate? And I know those are all very difficult to, but if you can just start tracking it, 
then you get a better sense of where you are, if you're going to hit your goals, what you maybe need to tweak or, or change. Um, another big thing I see is that people have different lines of businesses. I work a lot with different service industries and, you know, you, people will put a lot of stock in one side of their service plan and realize that they spend way too much money servicing those clients. So the profit margin is just so low. It's just non-existent. And the other things that they think are just not valuable are really their money makers. And so again, when you budget out things and you say, okay, well, this person works on this client or this, you know, whatever the case may be, you really get an idea of, again, maybe you don't need that service line. And maybe just because you want a million dollars in revenue, that doesn't translate to the profit level that you're looking for. Yeah. You're, you're as a counterpart to some of the stuff that I do, what you do is so validating for a lot of reasons. Right. And I, I have to say I was a, there was a time in my life. I, I, it would just felt so daunting, you know, and in, in revenue, I always, I have to do their five year and I've got to see where they need to go down to the human counts and the whole nine Mm -hmm. yards. Right. And one of the thing that, um, I really struggled with back in a few years ago was just feeling that overwhelmed. I mean, I sold tax and accounting software. I knew what numbers were, but you just felt so overwhelmed. And then at some point it was like, it looked, it was like reading Greek. And I had a really great mentor that was very much like you. Um, And just that person could tell a story with numbers that no matter how much you verbally said it never made sense till someone saw those numbers. And it doesn't mean it solves the problem, but what it does is it alerts you early on what a problem might be Yes, and just helps you plan so much better. And I, I, I used to call that person a, a maestro, like with, with numbers, you know, like he made music with numbers and, and my kids look at a spreadsheet and they're like, what does this all mean, mom? And I'm like, oh, can't you see? There's a problem right here. There's a, and they're like, huh? <laughs> you know, what am I seeing? So what you're describing yep. is, is something that I would think people would, should be super excited about, but they always kind of say something like, well, we don't want analysis by paralysis. Now I'll use sales teams for sure. They're, they're the ones that already, I don't want to analyze. I want to be out selling and I, you know, and isn't it funny? Cause what you just described to me is more, don't overanalyze, (laughs) get a plan and choose a couple of things that you're marking to get your baseline or whatever. And, and then reset every quarter or whatever you need to do to see if you're on the right track. And that sounds bite-sizable to me. That's exactly what I like about it because, you know, like you said, it's very daunting. And when you're trying to, you know, and then you always get to the point too, if you get something that isn't, um, isn't like scalable or you're not measuring it, it's because at the end of the year, you're just like, oh, we didn't hit the revenue numbers because nobody's tracking it. Nobody knows where we are. Nobody's, you know, asking the questions of, Hey, you know, did we talk to this client again? Do they need help? You know, you know, they had help last year. That was part of, you know, and when you can chunk it down, 
so that it's quarterly, it's easier to manage and you have like real things that you're tracking and you know, hey, you know, we're supposed to talk to five clients this week. Did you, you know, did you talk to them because the five turns into two business deals and, you know, yada, yada. So um, it's just really, I just think it's a much better way to go. It's not so overwhelming. Yeah. Because the 30 days, I think it, um, oh, I, I quote Jeb Blam, but the 30, 90 rule, 30 days delay or good stuff in a pipeline means 90 days down the road, something either stalls or spits out. Right. I mean, that's exactly. A, and you know, exactly when you can pivot on it. But the other thing that you said that was, you know, sort of almost what I would call relief is in obviously in leadership, everybody's touting, you should have great visibility and you should tell as a leader, you should tell, um, if there's problems and we, we came through COVID, right. And there was a lot of talk of maybe we don't tell people there's a problem, you know, mm -hmm. maybe we don't do this, but with the visibility you're talking about it, they can pivot better if they're not waiting to the end of the year to see if they're missed. Oh, well, we just didn't make our goal. Great. You know, <laughs> right. right. It's first and present every single day. Um, yes. then most of them feel relief because if they don't know, they just wonder, right? Yes. And then anxiety happens and everybody's kind of going, are we going to get fired? Are we going to lose our job? Are we doing yes. okay? And on yes. the flip side, are we doing okay? Is my Do I have a good future? What's going on? And a lot of small businesses hold that so close to the vest because they don't want to disappoint. Mm -hmm. But I find it empowers people to make better decisions. Well, it's also, they can help. Exactly. You know, if they know that, yeah. If they know that, you know, we need to pivot, um, on something because it's not going the way that we thought, um, in a quarter, then there, you know, there are people have ideas and the, you know, they can come to the leadership and say, Hey, I've got kind of an out of the box idea or, Hey, I'd like to, you know, help with something along these lines. Um, I just think that's very, you know, it's, you want your, the full force of your company, the, all the brain power in it to help you. And I think when they're given that knowledge and they're given those ideas, then, you know, then they can help you. It's amazing. I am reminded of the Jack Stack story of the nuns in the school bus. I use it all the time. I don't know. I probably told you that, but do you know that story? No, I don't think so. Oh, so great game and business is a different operating system, but it's, yes. it's, yeah. you know, and Jack stack, and I've been fortunate to work on a lot of full-time equivalent companies where they've had different operating systems and EOS is one of them. Great system. Um, and, but he tells the story about it, back in, I don't even remember if it's the sixties or seventies and anybody listening, please don't shoot me if I've got my facts completely wrong, but the gist of the story is, you know, there was a lot in Detroit, there was a lot of picketing for steel back in those days, and their entire plant was needing steel, or they were going to miss deadlines, you know, and it, and um, they basically went to the company and said, this is what the problem is that the leaders and the whole group, you know, all the people on the line, everything, and they said, this is what our problem is, and we're going to miss deadlines, and it, we're going to be in trouble because of it, because we've got, we've got feet, we've got fines if we don't deliver on time, right, and so 
the group came up with the idea of dressing up a but a, a someone as a nun in a school bus to haul steel in because the picketers wouldn't stop a nun driving a school bus. Oh my gosh. And so it's an incredible story because it isn't a top-down story. It's a hey, we're all going to be in trouble. What should we do? And a so they got together. together. Yeah. yeah. And they figured it out and they hit their targets and yay, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, so, you know, when you're talking about having that budget, having people own that budget and understand it, that that's, that's so cool. So how have you, let's talk a little bit more about how you guys kind of got to this point of, okay, I need this budget. You know, I, at first you were probably not just, oh gosh, all companies need, you know, all yeah, this kind no. of stuff. Yeah. So tell us a little more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I bring it back to just EOS and how, you know, they, when you would sit down and have a, um, in the beginning, your meetings or your quarterly meetings, you know, it, you need to have, um, you know, revenue targets and profit targets and, um, and measurables for obtaining those. And if you don't at first have a good budget, um, it, you're kind of, you know, just at the mercy of, you know, the leadership team thinks, this is what we should do for the year or the leadership theme thinks, you know, this is what we should track. And if we first start off with some good numbers and, you know, we can get the budget done, um, then you can say, well, this is what we've, we've budgeted for the quarter and the things that we need to track are X and we're going to put them on a scorecard and we meet weekly. And that kind of just kind of like, was like, uh, you know, like a light bulb of, you know, budgeting is not just for, um, you know, you do it in the beginning of the year and then you forget about it. But the way it rolls is that, you know, you're looking at it quarterly, you're trying to figure out, you know, and, um, you know, where we need to pivot, where we need to um, kind of shore up or, hey, we're doing really great. And what do we need to do about that as well? Not just the, you know, lean times, but, in, you know, when things are going well, we also need to navigate for that. Sure. Yeah. Um, it kind of translates it you know, you have either marketing service or sales or whatever under, under, uh, or new product under, under the revenue arm. And when they're talking about quota, they all run, right? It's like, that's what they're hired to do is bring in, but they run. And what you just described to me is more of a, a bottom up, top down, squish them in the middle kind of thing. And, and so you get buy-in, right? Absolutely. That's so key is the Mm buy-in and not just somebody telling you, yeah, you know, this is what you need to do because when you buy in, then you work hard at it because you're like, okay, I see it. And I want that to happen. Yeah. Um, and I would think that then with all the visibility and all of the buy-in that the company is that whole cultural health that everybody's after right now, you know, (laughs) especially in this job market, right? They, they want, people want to be happy in what they're doing. They want to know what they're doing. They're not drones. And And people should be happy in what they're doing. If you're not happy in what you're doing, find something else because there's other places for you to be and be happy. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think that that's key. And if you, the culture fit isn't right for you, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. And you're not going to be able to force your way out of that. Um, yeah. It either is a good fit or it isn't 
we have a, a phrase in EOS, um, you do an accountability chart, which is everybody in the company has a seat and what they're responsible for, their top three to five items that they really need to focus on. And there's a thing called right people, right seats. And, you know, there are people that are the right people in the organization, but they're in the wrong seat. They're in the wrong position. Or there's just people that don't fit in your company and they could be doing a great job in their seat, but they're toxic or, you know, they just are, you know, miss deadlines all the time, um, just aren't the right person. Um, so that's a, a, a great concept is that, you know, hey, if, if it's not a good cultural fit, and if you don't have a good culture, then you're definitely not going to have, have people stay, but also you want the people that fit with your culture um, so that, you, you know, everybody's kind of knows where we're going and we're all rowing in the same direction. Yeah, I, I, I viewed that uh, years ago when I had read um, Traction. Mm -hmm. Remember how long ago it was? I always used the, I blended right seats on the bus, you know, <laughs> the yes. right seats on the bus, right? Yes. And what, what you're describing, um, really, it's not, it's, it's very just what you, it's intuitive versus counterintuitive, right? It's like, right. if you want an organization, if you want people to thrive in an organi organization, they need to fit the organization as much as anything else. I, it, it, we added that kind of as that cult behavioral interview guide, you know, so that it does fit into the culture because then you end up with, with the topic of the, of the show revenue, it costs a ton of money to rehire people. So much money. <laughs> so yes. Well, and the training, I mean, you, you yeah. know, you spend so much time, the investment, of yeah. your employees to get them up to speed and to make sure that they are doing things the way you want them to do it in the right way and all that. And to mishire or have someone leave is it's a big deal. And, you know, you want to definitely mitigate that because again, it's going to not going to help you um, yeah. get to where you need to go on the sales side it also costs the revenue that they could have been generating the whole Absolutely. while you're training them at yes. that too. Cause there's That's not very true. There's not a stop gap there. So there's a whole nother podcast on, on that one. I'm not even going to get into that one, but <laughs> not today, you know, Sharon, let's, let's go back just a little bit in, in time because, you know, you became an EOS integrator, but what kind of drove you to all of what you do in life? I, people want to hear more about you and why, you know, what makes you tick and why you chose this path. Yeah. So I have been working with small to medium sized businesses my whole career. Um, I started out, um, you know, got my CPA, became a controller for small to medium sized businesses. And about 10 years ago, took a position at an accounting firm. We do outsourced accounting. And um, from that, we, you know, worked with, again, I was the, the controller for the, some of those smaller companies and um, became the COO at the accounting firm. We went, I went to um, an accounting conference and someone was speaking about traction by Gina Wickman and rocket fuel and not about EOS specifically, but just about the books and how they, in, you know, integrated them into their organization. And 
So I got done with the conference and I brought it back to our leadership. And I was like, wow, I really think that this is something. And then as you, as you do, you hear then, oh, so-and-so implemented this and so-and-so implemented. Oh yeah. Talk to so-and-so. So um, one of my good friends, um, he had an accounting firm um, that he was a partner in and he had self-implemented um, for himself. So, and he wanted to become an implementer. So he helped us implement um, at the accounting firm. And what I realized is that, you know, after reading Traction is that I've just been a natural integrator my whole life. I'm a natural, you know, integrator is the person who gets things done. So, you know, there's the COO, CEO of the company, the visionary, um, and they're the ones that have the big vision and, you know, they've got all these ideas. And then I'm the person that gets things done. I'm the COO and I'm the person that holds people accountable. I'm the person that everyone comes to, to kind of um, get the vision of the visionary and the company and make it a reality. And by again, chunking out into little quarterly pieces. And um, so I really just kind of found that that was a natural fit for myself. And so we um, offered um, fractional integration to a couple of our clients. And now I'm doing that for other companies as well that can't afford or don't have someone in the organization um, that really wants to step up and, and do that kind of role. Because not everybody, you know, we, we say in EOS, you either get it, want it, and capacity to do it. And if you don't have those three things, if you're overwhelmed, if you just aren't that kind of natural integrator, um, then you need to look outside the company. And so that's yeah. where I come in. And I, I come in and I help people and help companies and work with visionaries um, to make it a reality. Yeah, that that's really cool because I remember it was a business coach at one point said, "Hey, you should read Traction." And I remember I remember taking nine pages of notes going through it. Mm-hmm. You know, not it, it was back and I don't know that they were so systematized that they were set up as an operating system at the time. Maybe they yeah. were. I I wouldn't have had knowledge of it, but it's, you know, it just makes a lot of common sense and it fits hand in hand with what you do as an accountant, because you really do need to know um, how to, how to complete all those tasks, because there's a lot of visionaries out there in small businesses and they can't figure out how to repeat what they do right Right. to their, to their employees. So as they try to scale, I can see completely the need in the industry for that kind of help. And the great thing is it, it really is economical, you know, I mean, the return on investment is just like, wow, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. It's very helpful because, you know, like visionaries, they just have these big visions all the time. And, you know, my part of my job is to say, hey, you know, what we do is on a quarterly basis, we set what are called rocks. And, you know, those are the things that the company has decided are important and we need to focus on. And when the visionary comes and says, well, I've got this great new shiny idea. I say, okay, (laughs) this is what we decided this quarter, because these are the goals we want to get to. Can we park that? And uh, we can revisit it at a quarterly meeting to see if it's right for the next quarter. And it just seems to help because, you know, you've been in organizations where the visionary just takes everyone around, um, you know, one, one week we're on this system, then the next week he finds something else. And, and it's just hard. It's difficult to work in that environment and with all that change and chaos. So it's good to just, you know, hone it down. It doesn't mean that we're 
you know, squelching the visionaries creativity or their vision of things. We just want to make sure that we focus because, you know, if you, it's like a thousand beams of light go into, you know, one thing, it's much stronger than all of it individually. So if you can just decide this quarter, we're going to really work on getting a new HR director or something like that. Um, then that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're going to work on. And then next quarter, maybe we can work on something different or what you've brought to the table. Um, but I really think that's helpful. Yeah, it's kind of centered a little around um, stage gate processing as well. Or, I, you know, Rox, I think it was Dale Carnegie. And then Stephen yes. Covey did it a lot too yes. um, when we would talk about it. So a lot of people don't realize that you know, they say rocks. Okay. What the heck is a rock? But yeah, a lot of people just don't even realize that, um, psychologically we lose steam every 90 days, you know? So the wave is like, it's, it's so important. That's why people do quarterly stuff, right? It's like, okay, ramp the sales team every quarter, ramp the, right. right. And so it just totally makes sense. I love, I love what you're doing with that. And it does help because, shiny objects run all over the place, right? Yes. yes. Everybody loves them. But. Everybody loves them. And, you know, if you're, I, I call it ADD for, uh, for visionaries. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which they all have it. And I tell them straight, you know, straight up, there's no like that pretending. So yeah, it's uh, definitely a trait that they all have. Oh, uh, but you know, it, it's kind of the yin to the yang, right? It, it Absolutely. Helps, it helps steer the, steer the ship and make sure yep. it stays healthy. So wonderful thing. So I, I just have to ask you, okay, I, you were telling me about your favorite football team. So tell me about your football team. Yes, Who's your so favorite nice. one? So I live in Cleveland. Uh-huh. So obviously it's the Cleveland Browns. Uh-huh. So um, I, we're big, you know, sports fanatics in my house. So <laughs> You know, we're watching the Cleveland Browns and just got through watching the Cleveland Cavaliers season. I went to 25 of the 41 home games this year. So um, just, you know, just love all of, you know, the team sports and, and, you know, getting out to watch a game. So I have to tease a little bit. So are you the reserve CPA or are you standing up and shouting your head off at each hundred percent the second? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> it started with watching my girls play sports and, uh, you know, nothing negative, but always positive. I just love, I love to do that. What do they fun. play? The game. What do uh, they, they play? played, um, in high school, uh, volleyball and softball, and we were into everything. One of those you know, yeah. you just tried everything as you went along, but yeah, it was so fun. Did you grow up in a family that did all of that too? Or yes. Just... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although I, you know, as we were talking before, like I was, I was more of an individual sport growing up. So I did the tennis. I know you uh-huh. play tennis. And, um, so, um, but yeah, my brother played, you know, baseball. So we went to a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah. So you were a tennis player and then who, I have to, cause I'm a tennis player. Who's your favorite right now? Um, you know, I, I, I just go to, you know, Serena, I mean, it's just, <laughs> just I just can't, it's ridiculous what she can do um, yeah. every year. Um, sure. Yeah. So how about you? Oh, I, you know, honestly, I've, the reason I like this person is because they were so amazing. They are so amazing, but I like Federer. 
Okay. I, he's a per to me, he's a role model. If he isn't, if he doesn't win, he does because he's hurt or something. He, he just has somebody plays a bit, played a better game that day. You know, yeah, he never throws a tantrum so cool. no. and he's so good at his craft. And I just, I, I look at sports characters more as kind of what kind of role model, what would I want my kids to do? You know? And I, and I love it when I love to see how, when people don't win, how they behave, you know, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, but no, other than that, it's just also his form is so amazing to me. And I don't know, I just, and the fact that he got older and was still winning, which I'm That's like, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so anyways, I, there's, there's a lot of underlying things we could talk about tennis all day, but I, uh, I want more about, so you read Gina, Gina Wickman and all yeah. that kind of stuff, but what else do you do for fun? Like, do, do you just read more? What do you do? <laughs> I do like to read. Um, okay. I'm in a couple of different book clubs. Um, so I really, I, I like to discuss, um, books it also keeps you on track. Like when you're, you know, in a book club, you know, you're like, Oh, I have to finish this. Um, so you, you know, you go on your good reads and you've got your, you know, uh, goal for the year. Um, so you want to keep that up. Um, and then I, you know, I just like to get out and about, um, you know, we have, uh, Cleveland's just breaking with the great weather. So I like to go outside and, you know, take a walk and go on hikes and go to the parks and zoo and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, that's fun. That's so fun. And yeah. okay. So you're in a book club. I want to know what is your book that you're on right now? Um, we are like on, I think it's called, um, like it's something about a unicorn. Um, like it's a self-help <laughs> book. It's like how to be a unicorn, I think is like, and it's like about how to find what's special about you and, um, to kind of capitalize on that. So that's what I'm. All right. Totally All right. right now. Yeah. That, that's totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. And it, sound, it would sound like you because it's like systematize, systematize. Yes. You know? Yes. I got, I got a goal. I got a goal. I'm going to hit it. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have absolutely loved this. And I'm sure that yes. the rest of the audience has loved learning about EOS and learning about making sure that they have budgets what a relief don't procrastinate that right because yes. it is really a relief actually and then um but they would love to know kind of one place that they could contact you yeah i'm i'm um at sharon at eai.vision um eai is the company that we kind of conglomerate uh some professionals on so it's um again you can go to the website eai.vision to learn more about it um, and of course I'm on LinkedIn as well as everyone. So yeah, as well as everyone yes, that systematizes yep. everything. Right? Exactly. <laughs> it's a good, it's, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. No, that's awesome. Well, thank you again, Sharon. And that's it today for the revenue maze. If you liked it, please go, uh, like us on the podcast on LinkedIn on www.therevenuemaze.com. Share it, uh, give us feedback. We love it hearing all of the things that you guys are doing to help get out of the revenue maze. And thanks again, Sharon. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you all for joining another great episode. For show notes, links, and resources, visit revenuemaze.com. And never forget, you are why.